Good morning, gentlemen, on this beautiful day. So we, yesterday we stopped right in the middle of the second Aliyah, verse number 20. So now we're going to talk about the ability of a Jew to enjoy meat outside of the, uh, the, outside of the structure of bringing peace offerings in the base of English. Let me introduce this. In the times of the Mishkan, after the Jews had a Mishkan, the only way a Jew was allowed to have a good barbecue with a good steak and a good uh, set of you know, prime rib was if he went to the base of Mishkan, the Mishkan rather, sorry, the tabernacle, which was very close. All the Jews were camped around the Mishkan anyway. And he bought a peace offering. Why do you have to bring a peace offering? For whatever reason you want. There's no, you're not obligated to bring a peace offering. But he decided, I wanted to offer an offering to Hashem. And then the certain fats would be offered up on the Mizbeach. The thigh, the front thigh, etc. will be given to the priest. And then the rest of the animal was yours to enjoy anywhere you wanted. And as long as the person was in a state of purity, they could, man, woman, the, the, the maid, anyone could enjoy the food, etc. So now the Torah is going to say to us, and then we talked about yesterday, we talked about the not eating the blood, etc. So now the Torah tells, says to us, verse number 20, When Hashem will expand your borders and the boundaries of Israel, so He said He will do to you. Meaning, you're going to enter the land of Israel now. And you're going to enter the land of Israel. First of all, you won't be living near the base of Mikdash. Some Jews will live near the base of Mikdash. Some Jews will be living in the north. Some will be living in the south, right? A few days away from uh, the base of Mikdash. So if you want to have a good barbecue, July 4th is coming, I didn't have July 4th, okay, whatever, I'm saying, you have a good barbecue, and you're not near the base of Mikdash, you go travel all the way to the base of Mikdash to bring a peace offering and then bring it back, it's a whole journey, it's, it's too much of a schlep. In addition, times of the Mishkan, the Jews didn't work. You know, the food came from heaven. So it was easy for them to take time to go bring a, they wanted to eat their cow or their sheep, go ahead, bring it to the base of Mikdash, Thank Hashem for the sheep, and then you can eat it. But now we're talking about Jewish people that are working for a living. They don't have time to just go to the base of Mikdash, etc. So in that case, Hashem says, well, Hashem will expand your borders. And you will say, I want to eat meat. I want some ribs. <coughs> your heart desires to eat. As wherever your heart desires, says the Torah, in any place that you want to eat meat, you're allowed to eat according to your desire. I have to first bring the animal as a sacrifice. Why? Because if the place which your God, your God chose to attach his name will be distant from you, meaning the base of Mikdash will be far from you, then you may slaughter. Listen to this verse. Listen to this verse. It's a very important verse. The place that you will want to slaughter your animals will be distant from you. You should slaughter from your cattle and from your sheep. That Hashem, Hashem, that Hashem is given to you. How should you slaughter them? Ready for this? As I have commanded you. I'm quoting, I'm reading the words black and white as in the Torah. You should slaughter the animal. As I have commanded you. And then you can eat the meat in your gates according to the desires of your heart. Where in the entire Torah does God command us how to slaughter an animal? Exactly. There is nowhere, anywhere in the Torah that God ever teaches us how an animal should be shechted. The laws of shechita, the laws of slaughtering an animal, which are a full set of complex laws. It's not like just kill the animal. There's many, many details on how it should be slaughtered, what's the method, and how you know if it's a trade. Uh, many details. All these laws, says God to the Jewish people, you can slaughter the animal. You're living in Tzvat, you want to have a meat, slaughter the animal as I have commanded you. One of the same commands us, it's not written anywhere that God commanded us 
So the explanation is that when Moshe was on Mount Sinai for 40 days, and God said you should slaughter the animal, at that time God taught Moshe all the laws of Shechita. And God showed Moshe how an animal should be slaughtered. Shechita is not just, you can't just read a book on the laws of slaughter and how to slaughter. Many things, especially with Shechita, you have to actually do it. So in a, I had a room when I was doing smicha that got, we also got certification to do Shechita. So you have to obviously learn many laws that you get tested on. But besides for that, you got to sharpen your own knife. You got to be tested on your ability to sharpen the knife. And you got to be tested, you have to watch other people do the actual slaughtering. And then you got to do slaughtering under their supervision and it's called shimush and get trained. You can't just read the book on how to slaughter an animal and how to do it. You got to watch a YouTube video that goes with it, right? In this case, God had to show Moshe how it was done. So here is the most explicit black and white proof in the written Torah that there has to be an oral Torah because God clearly says so. Slaughter the animal, like I showed you when you were on Mount Sinai for 40 days, exactly as I commanded you to do it, that's how you should do it. And that's why for all of Jewish history, no matter where a Jew has ever lived, whether they're Sephardi, Ashkenazi, you know, uh, no difference. The laws of Shechita, of course there are many differences, but the basic idea of how you shecht an animal, that you slaughter an animal on the side of the neck and not on the back of the neck, and that it has to be in uh, without a break, and it has to be a smooth neck, all of these things, there are unquestioned. There's no Jew ever that said, I think that slaughtering Shechita should be done by stunning the brain instead of, uh, or I think you should the, slaughter the back part of the neck instead of the front part of the neck. Never happened. The definition of Shechita, of slaughtering the cut into two pipes, etc., these things are direct tradition of Moshe Mesenai that have never been disputed ever, ever since in Jewish history. Let's continue. Anyway, it's an important verse to know. It's one of the verses you got to know clear. So it says, How, what's your proof that there's an oral Torah? God said, slaughter the animal as I have commanded you. And there's nowhere in the biblical text where God has ever commanded that. Verse 22 says the Torah as follows. Just as tonight you want to eat this animal you slaughtered in Tzat or wherever you live, ach, but only, you can eat it like the Tzvi and the Ayo, meaning like the deer and the gazelle. Just as you can eat the deer and the gazelle, which are animals that are never offered as sacrifices, you can never offer a deer or a gazelle in the basement because those are not domesticated animals. Those are wild animals. So just like you can eat those in a state of purity or impurity, you don't need to be pure to eat a deer. A deer was never offered as a sacrifice. So if a Jew living in the times of Michigan wanted to eat deer, they just slaughtered the deer and ate it. There's no carbon involved. And you have to be ritually pure. So too, once you want to eat meat outside of the base of Mikdash, you can slaughter it just like a deer or a gazelle, which means that you can slaughter it and eat it whether you're in the state of purity or in the state of impurity. However, uh, and the meat doesn't become you know, defiled by that. Ah, however, it uses the word but. What's the but? The but is that um, if you were, you might think that just like a deer and a gazelle, that you can eat all of the animal. There's no fats that are, for, are forbidden for me to eat on the deer and the gazelle. If you're eating from a sheep or a cattle, which are domesticated animals, you are still not allowed to eat the fats that would have been offered up on the altar if it would have been a peace offering. So those fats today are forbidden. So even though we're comparing the, the animal you're slaughtering on your own to a deer and a gazelle, like you're eating in any state of ritual purity or impurity, however, ach, but there's still certain fats that would have been offered on the altar, you cannot eat those. Okay. Yes. So if you buy kosher meat, those fats are... Of course, dangerous. of course. And that's, there's other fat, besides for this, is also there's the, um, the Gid Hanoshe, there's a thigh 
in the uh, hind quarter of the uh, of the cow. That's that's why. Right. So today, the sciatic nerve. I, I know all about the sciatic nerve. I'm uh, very aware of it in my own body, <laughs> unfortunately, in a bad in a bad way. But um, so today in America, you cannot buy kosher filet mignon, real filet mignon. They call it that, but it's not real, correct? Because the, the procedure of removing these, the, the veins and the forbidden fats are too complicated to do. It's just easier. It's not worth the money to pay someone to remove it. They just sell the whole back part of the cow to a non-Jew. Um, but in Israel, there is not all, not all certifications will allow, but some uh, will allow the, the removal. It's called nikr. And we're going off subject. Okay, let's go back to the Torah. So then the Torah says, Rat Kazak, however, be very strong. Not to eat from the blood. Why? The blood is the soul of the animal. And therefore, you should not eat the nefesh im habasa. You should not eat the soul of the animal together with the meat of the animal. So God gives you permission to eat the meat. But the soul that's holy to God, you cannot eat this soul. Why is we just read about the blood before? Why are we reading again about the blood now, not to eat the blood? Because you might think that when we're not allowed to eat the blood is only in the base of Mikdash where they would sprinkle the blood on the altar so the blood became holy. You know, they only sprinkled a little bit, but because they sprinkled blood, that made the blood holy. But now if I'm eating in the north of Israel, I'm in Svat, and I'm eating my barbecue, and it's not a holy animal, it's an impure animal, so the blood is not holy either. So the Torah is reminding you, even though you're allowed to eat the animal, the, the blood of the animal is not about the holiness of the temple. It's about the soul of the animal. And therefore that remains in effect till today. You cannot eat from the blood of the animal. It is its life. Then verse 24 says, You should not eat from the blood. You should spill it on the, blo- on the floor like water. Meaning you cannot have any benefit from it. You got to spill it on the floor. And then verse 25 says, You should not eat from the blood in order that God will be good for you, will go good, well for you, and for your children after you to do what is proper in the eyes of Hashem. So three times we have this prohibition over here of not eating the blood. Verse 23, verse 24, verse 25. Three times in a row. So what is this why I'm saying the same thing three times? So you have two kinds of blood. You have the blood that comes out of the animal right when you kill the animal. Has anyone seen an animal being slaughtered? I have. I've gone twice to a slaughterhouse. The second time was part of my smicha. And you see the animal being slaughtered, that initial burst of blood that comes out. That's the blood that's considered the nefesh. When verse 23 says, don't eat the blood because that's the nefesh, that means when I, first, that's when the soul leaves the body, that's the, the initial thing. But then afterwards, the, the, the initial, you know, the blood spilled out, you still have all the blood that keeps on oozing out of the carcass. There's a lot of blood on that animal. So verse 24 says, all of the blood on that animal needs to be allowed to spill onto the floor like water, that you cannot eat from any of the blood that comes out even later that's inside the rest of the organs of the body called Dam HaTamtis, is what it's called, the, the, the second blood. And then verse 25 is talking about even the third blood, which is the blood which is absorbed within the actual meat, which is why when we eat meat today, not only do we not eat the blood that came out when you kill the animal, not only do we not eat the blood that was there in the limbs that you know, fell off on its own, we need to soak the blood in salt for a half hour in order to pull out any blood that got absorbed into the actual meat itself, even that blood needs to be removed, and that's what verse 25 is talking about. Okay, now I'll show you some beautiful idea. The Torah says, Rak chazak, be very, very strong not to eat from the blood, right? Meaning, be very, very strong on yourself. Why did it say be strong? <laughs> it's so hard not to eat blood? Not at all. 
Yeah, not at all. You, you, you don't walk by and see that. Oh, I really wish I could have that blood. But what should I do? The Torah said, oh, well, I guess I won't need the blood today. So what is Torah saying? It's not saying don't need blood. Torah is saying, Yach chazak. Be very strong not to eat from the blood. Really work on yourself. So there's two different ways of understanding this Yach chazak. To be very strong. Um, according to Rabbi Yehuda says that in those days, it was indeed a very, very difficult challenge not to eat blood. In those days, blood was considered a delicacy. In America, obviously, blood is not a delicacy, so we're, we don't relate to this. But in, in, in the times of Canaan, when the Jews were living in the land of Israel, people ate blood. That was, in fact, it was warm, it was, say, geschmack. Felic has the whole thing about the... I'm not going to get distracted, no. But it was, it was considered a delicacy to eat the warm blood of an animal that just came out of the animal. still hot, fresh blood was considered delicious. I can, you know, it's like you ever had fresh milk right out of a cow? Was still warm? It's like rich, it's... So fresh blood. Now you're looking at me like you can't even imagine, you're like you're about to throw up. But in those days, that was considered delicacy. That's what the Torah says, be very strong, because even though the people you're living amongst in Canaan, they love fresh, warm, good blood, still bubbling hot, be strong not to give in to their culture. The other explanation in Rashi from Rabbi Shimon and Azai is here you see what the Torah is saying to a person. If blood, which is so easy not to do, <laughs> who has a temptation to eat blood? And yet, the Torah says to us, Chazak, be very strong, not to give in to temptation to the gates of Hara. How much more so those sins that a person does desire, the sin of stealing money, the sin of immorality, the sins that do have an allure, that we do get tempted by, how much more so we need to be very, very strong not to give in to the temptations. Okay. And then the end of this, in verse 25, the Torah says, if you'll be very strong, don't eat the blood. Why? That'll be good for you and for your children after you because you did that which is right and proper in the eyes of Hashem. So here again, you hear what's the reward that Hashem gives if for a mitzvah, which is so easy to do, not to eat the blood of an animal. Hashem says, I will reward you and your children, etc. after you for all time for what you did the right thing. Can you imagine what kind of reward we would receive for overcoming the temptation for a difficult mitzvah? Something which is harder to overcome when we overcame, how much more reward God has in store for us. Okay. Then the Torah continues and says, However, those consecrated animals that you chose to dedicate as a vow, as an offering, as a firstborn animal, any animal that's consecrated to Hashem, you cannot slaughter, excuse me, you cannot slaughter it in, in your cities. That you still need to take to the, to the base of Mikdash. And there you'll bring it to the place that God has chosen. And there you'll do all the laws of the, the scent offerings, the meat and the blood on the offering, on, I'm sorry, on the altar, exactly as God has said. And then you can eat from the flesh. Shmur v'shemaita. Guard yourself very, very carefully and listen to all the words I command you this day. Again, in verse 28, this is Laman in order. Yitav l'cha. That'll be good for you. Ul acharecha. For your children after you. Ad oilam. For the rest of time. Because you did that which is good and proper in the eyes of Hashem Lekecha. So twice, in verse 25 and in verse 28, Hashem promises us that if, verse 25 is talking about the blood, and verse 28 is talking about bringing the offerings to the, the base of Mikdash, and they're taking the blood of the animal and sprinkling it on the altar exactly as God prescribed. Sometimes above, below, different sides of the altar, different offerings, different procedures. And you do what God said, because you did what God said, and you did the good thing, which is right in the eyes of Hashem. Even if it's not right in the eyes of the world and the nations we live in. Tomorrow's Aliyah. Tomorrow we'll talk about imitating the non-Jews and copying them and giving into their false prophets and trying to behave the way they behave. 
And instead of judging morality, this is a very important point, instead of judging morality and the, the, the barometer of right and wrong by the eyes of the nations and by the people amongst whom you live, but instead you do you do that which is good and proper in the eyes of Hashem, your God, then God promises that it will be good for you and for your children after you, ad olam, until the end of time that God will give you merit for going in the ways of Hashem.